Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. <laughs>Yeah, what's up, everybody? This is Big Pep, and welcome to Pep Talk. You got myself, Big Pep, and you got my co-host, Mr. Juan Ramirez. Hello, hello. Juan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Is it safe to say... Is it? That after this interview, we made it? You think so? I think it might be safe to say after this one, we made it. Why is that? So check this out, guys. I want to introduce our guest, and... I'm going to break it down from the beginning. He's the one who pretty much, you know, got to got Juan and me to the position we're at now. He goes by many names. Early in his career, he was known as Skittles. Then he was psychological. <laughs> then he turned into Bobby Tarantino. Then he started writing books. Then he went by his legal name, Sir Robert Bryson Hall the second. second. And he had a kid. So now he's a father of little Bobby. He's a husband of Miss Brittany. But he's known all around the world as Logic. What's up? Why is that cut off so quick? Can I hit, play, hit it again? It's because I don't bring it down. Like, no, let it rock. How long does it go? You can let it rock. That's what I'm the used shows. to. I need that. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Pep talk. With, yeah. Uh, with Juan. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Some shit. Yeah. How's everything? Big Pep. Everything's great. It's my first interview. I was upstairs, like, kind of feeling weird. Mm-hmm. Just because I was like, oh, my God, I haven't done, it uh, like, a real interview in so long. Exactly. And we were talking about on the, on the ride here was that you're, you're blessing us with an exclusive. You know, we're, we're up-and-coming podcast, but, you know, and, and this is Rollout Week. Your album drops next week. Yeah. You know, you got, you got Big Boy. You got Zane Lowe. You got Heavy Hitters. But you're letting Big Pep and Juan handle this. Yeah, of course. You guys are the first uh, first interview, and I'm excited, and I love you guys. And I feel super comfortable, uh, besides this big-ass light in my face. <laughs> it's really cool to, like, I don't know, just kind of shoot this shit with my homie. Can I cuss? Please, bro. Pussy cunt fart. Yeah, all that good stuff, man. <laughs> okay, dope. To- turn up. And what I wanted to bring up was, this isn't like your ordinary, like, uh, employer, employee, you know, conversation like literally you know I, be, I was your best man at your wedding you spoke at my wedding we've done vacations with our wives Juan he can speak on his experience on how you know yeah I mean just starting out as a fan and then being your assistant getting to know you that much better yeah it's, it's been nuts crazy so let's get into it all right 2019 2021 right you had supermarket confessions of a dangerous mind no pressure Retired. Yeah. Why and what made you retire so abruptly? Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, it was my son and wanting to be there and spend that time. You know, a lot of artists, a lot of people, you know, in entertainment and my position keep going. They don't stop. They don't stop. And um, I was I was over it. And I think a part of me really believed like yeah this is it like i'm out of here and then there was a part of me that like continued to still make hundreds of songs write books do that like still work while i was retired and then i think the biggest thing was just like the internet i was just like sick of the internet and not like criticism nothing like that um which is never fun but just more so like 
feeling like a slave, always having to be on it and do things and just like in, entertainment is so different now. It feels like you have to let the whole world in to your life mm-hmm. um, for likes and views and clicks. And this, and I was just over the shit. No, I feel you on that. And what I was also going to bring up was the fact that even though you were retired, I was with you, you know, firsthand pretty much every single day. And, and to the world, you were retired. But I feel like during that time, you were making the most amount of music. Yeah. And you got into other endeavors. You got into buying a quarter of a million dollar Pokemon card, which is a long term investment. Which you, is now worth 500 grand. Shit. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Sheesh. You also got into the crypto world. I did, yeah. And also, you decided to write a memoir. I did. Yeah, that's a um, that's a lot of stuff, man. And uh, it was fun. I think it, for me, it was very cathartic. It was very. It was a really incredible experience to to be able to write a book and relive these details and memories that weren't easy to um, go through. But I learned a lot about myself. It was extremely therapeutic, and I think it was an opportunity for me to essentially address situations just like this with people who will ask me real questions and will be honest and will say how they feel, but they do it from a loving place, you know? And I think entertainment, a lot of it is like stab them and run, like get what you can. Of course. And um, in this book, there was no, there was none of that. There was no YouTube comment section on page, you know, 89. So I got to just unequivocally be myself and tell my story, which is the truth. Cause a lot of people like to deny my story, you know, whether it's, uh, just like my upbringing or where I came from or whatever. They'll literally be like, that's not true. And they, they, they just act like it's like I'm lying or something. Well, why do you think people do that? Um, I don't know. Probably because I look white. If I'm being honest, it's like I don't, I don't fit in a box. I, I don't look. I think, you know, the world, it's all image. Yeah. And I just think that's the biggest thing. It's just like I was a scrawny looking white boy who liked anime. Like, he can't be rapping. You know, he can't be doing this. He ain't, he ain't from this. He ain't from that yeah. just because of how I... I uh, you don't you don't know what the hood really is, stuff like that? Yeah, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> Whatever. I used to care. Yeah. I used to be like, oh, I've cooked crack. Because I have. But it's like, so what? I've cooked crack? What the fuck? Who gives a shit? It's like, I, like I, I've said that in a rhyme here or there because it's an experience that I went through personally and I felt the need in that moment to express it on that particular song and in that instance regarding, you know, um, the message I was trying to essentially get across. Cool. You know what I mean? I'm not here to perpetuate a uh, negative aspect of my culture and the culture that I grew up in. Uh, I'm here to shed light on why people may do those things, why people may sell drugs or this or this or that as a means of escape. Um, And I think the ones who are blessed enough to escape it, but still try to continue this facade um, that has systemically been ingrained in them, um, especially by media and the streets, uh, is a very sad thing to see. Because I think when you make it out and you did it, you don't owe anybody anything. And I don't owe nobody shit. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's real. Yeah. Did you ever catch yourself in a moment? Like you said, I could crack. And you were like kind of, did you feel like you were almost trying to defend yourself or prove yourself to? Yeah, a lot. You know, like when first time I did the breakfast club and Charlemagne's who raped your sister, motherfucker. Da, 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 like, all that. I'm just like, God, I'm like everything for me is, it was like an attack. Like yeah. every interview I did everywhere I went. Um, and 
that was just a really difficult thing. But I wasn't the only one. And, yeah. and that wasn't even, uh, like, definitely people would take shots based on color or image or this or that. And that's fine. That's entertainment. I, you know, I, I get that. But I'm saying it wasn't just, like, just white rapper. It's like, that's how they treat everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think it, there's a big difference from me being such a fan, you know, like, coming up and watching Breakfast Club or watching... um even Fontano, right? Or being in rap genius threads or this, and you're like a fan and then you blow up and you make it. And then it's kind of certain shots and praise are, are headed your way. So it's like, they'll praise you for something, but then they'll go in on, you'll shit on you for something. And it's just like, ah, because you were just a kid in the basement watching these people. And now it's their job to make headlines with your name whether it's a positive or a negative, and that's just a it's just a difficult thing to uh, experience and go through for the first time. With that being said, how would you, I guess, give advice to artists who are dealing with that? Because it seems like it seems like you have, and obviously we've been around long enough to where we've seen the highs and the low, and how shit really affects you, but also how you've been able to you know overcome it. But for you know. I would call it this generation of whether pop singers, rappers, whatever the fuck um, that are dealing with it and probably don't and, and, and don't know how to handle it. What's really weird is like I'm 32 and a big thing that I think about is how I wouldn't know how to navigate in today's world, honestly. How come? Well, because I came up on the Internet when it was a cool place. Like it was like nice. You know what I mean? Like. Like it's it's crazy. Me and my homies have like discussed how if they're like people who review music, they use terms like mid and ass and garbage, and it's just like, is that how we talk now? Like I'm just being for real. It's like, it's like think think about this. Somebody who's like, yeah, this new Kendrick album is mid as fuck. Okay, imagine that same twenty something year old kid at dinner with his mom. Yeah, mom, bitch, this fucking these spaghetti fucking mid you cunt like is that how we're talking you ain't talking to your mama that way uh, yeah but that's a real thing it's like it's like you you wouldn't talk to your mother that way but she kind of is a dumb cunt to raise you to talk to other people that way that's so gross. she fucked up you know what i'm saying like so it, it, it i came from a place where the internet was i don't like this or i love this and a bit of description and detail behind that now it's just none of that. Yeah. It's just it's just like this war amongst people and their opinions. And I think that really also has to do with social media shining a light on uh, the individual to allow them a platform to then blow up. So you got a bunch of kids uh, and grown ass adults like doing dances and shit and like doing all this shit. And it's just I, I get it. It's cool. But I'm like, what are you really doing? You know, and I think there are people who take that platform and make something amazing of it. People who really dedicate their lives to dance dedicate their lives to poetry, dedicate their lives to, to entertainment. And I've discovered my fucking assistant I found on TikTok. Right. And so, you know, I listened shout to out Stacey. shout out Stacy. Shout out Stacy one Stacey. time. <laughs> Let's get some claps for Stacy, please. Um, <laughs> the, the abrupt stop of the claps is, <laughs> gets me every time, but like social media, the internet's absolutely amazing. But what I'm saying is, and, and it's also difficult to navigate is when I was younger, it was a different place so any hardships or like the, the same things that I was going through on my come up aren't the same things yeah. that people have to deal with now. So I don't, I, I couldn't even say how to traverse it. I could tell you from a 
by no means surface level standpoint, but I could say, yeah, hard work, persistence, determination, realism, and wanting success more than your next breath. And you can fucking attain it all. Like you really can do it. And that's easier said than done. And it's easier wrapped up in a 10 second synopsis of get out there and, you know, fuck the world's pussy and get shit done. But it's like, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. You know, you had a, you had a question. We were sitting under a tree in Oregon and you were like, do you think it was harder to pop and stay relevant when I was coming up or it's harder to pop and stay relevant now? Mm-hmm. And I think it was harder to pop when I came up because if you popped, odds are you were staying relevant. Yeah, you had the one hit wonders and people like that or whatever who had a song. But now everybody's popping. Who the fuck is that at my <laughs> door? Hold on one second. That's kind of funny. Stacy's face was like, what the fuck? Um, in my day, it was easier to pop and stay relevant because I think if you popped for the majority of people, you had talent. Myself, Mac Miller, Kendrick Lamar, Wiz Khalifa, you know, so many, so many incredible artists that are still relevant today. J. Cole, Drake. Um, now, you know, like, I don't know. A, a college student, somebody who works at a gas station, somebody that is popping, whether it's in music or not. And they could have a, a viral video that has hundreds of millions of, uh, of views. And that's great for that moment. And it may bring on opportunities and that's really cool. But like to continue to, to stay, yeah, you know, is uh, I think very hard in today and not because of them, but because it, it's, it's almost like the Roman Coliseum. It's like next like bring out the lions, like that's it. Like you know, it's like. Do you think? Do you think uh, shit is given to to like the new musicians or the new artists so fast that kind of like they don't have to worry about the grind? <laughs> yeah, some of them, but there's some who really grind, like Jack Harlow. Yeah, you know, I was on Jack Harlow before fucking all these fools. Like I love Jack Harlow. I think he's really cool and he's a good person. And you know. Like, I met Jack, and he's like, dude, I fucking listen to your music, like, in high school and this and that. I'm like, damn, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm like, like, he's a good kid, and I see him winning, and it makes me, like, so happy. But he's one of those people who's literally been making shit since he was, like, you know, look hella nerdy with glasses and shit walking down the hallway. We have, we've all seen those raps. Oh, yeah. And they're tight. He's rapping with, like, a Spider-Man poster in his room and shit. I'm like, I like this kid. You know what I mean? And I feel like the reason Jack fucks with me is because I was also so myself. Uh, you know, I didn't fit in. I like nerd shit. I like this. I like that. But we all still, we still got swag type shit. So he's a prime example of somebody who's been grinding, like been grinding. Um, and I think when he was hit, I mean, I remember Jack, Jack Harlow played me What's Poppin' literally a week before it came out and he had just shot the, uh, the video and played me the video. I was like, buckle up kid he's like what i was like bro i was like literally you're about to blow up and he was like oh no he's like trying to be humble about it and he was excited and shit and i was like nah we were in my studio in calabasas and um yeah he he blew up and he followed through though that's what's dope jack followed through man and it it um, wasn't like a one-hit wonder not at all man you know and he's he's a good dude and i fuck with him and i don't want nothing from him but you know, his friendship and his happiness. I forgot that night, actually, he, uh, I guess he called his, like, high school best friend, one of his best friends from back home, 
And I was like probably drunk and on the phone. And I was like, yeah, man, next time I go on tour, you can have tickets anywhere the fuck you want. Three years later, Jack hits me up. He's like, hey, man, uh, you remember you told my my best friend that that you can have, uh, you know, t- he can have some tickets? I was like, yeah, yeah. What, how many does he need? You know, where is he at? Blah, blah, blah. And a yeah, funny thing I think about a situation like that, because he was like, he was really humble. He was just like, yo, like, can I do this? Like, let me know. I got you. Like, if you need anything, like, he really was appreciative. And I was like, no, nah, I don't need shit. Like, I just need your friendship. I need you to be happy and and pay it forward. And I appreciate it. And that's where I could have been like, oh, word? Verse right now. Or this or that or da da da. But we had already, he had already sent me some joints in the past. But I just, I was busy. I was doing shit. I mean, not for him, like, in general. Like, for us to collab. But I had a lot going on. I'm fucking middle of having a baby and, like, all this other stuff. So, um, yeah. It'd be fun to work with him in the future. Yeah, but that'd be, I, I, I mean that'd be a dope collab. Yeah, but I'd want like if we did it, it's got to be like some rap shit. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what I'm on. Like, what? Like, it's like if I ever did. Because I remember me and Drake were trying to figure out a way to like hang out a couple years ago, and our managers were talking to, to to each other and to get us together. And even then, in my head, I was like, if I do a song with Drake, I don't want it to be some Drake shit. Like, meaning like I don't want to just be like, oh yeah, sing on my shit, Playboy. Like I'm like I'm trying to get this motherfucker rap on a breakbeat or some shit. You know, That'd be crazy. My thing is, is especially now in music and where I'm at, and, and people will really be able to tell with vinyl days and what's coming after. Like I'm not out here trying to be. After one eight hundred, I saw an amazing opportunity to follow through, like that boy Jack did, and I did it. I followed through. We had one eight hundred. We had every day. Keanu Reeves, Homicide, Midnight, all of BT too. Like I did it, and then after I did that, I was like, man, I'm just trying to get back to rap, and I did that, and and now I'm here. So when I'm working with different artists, like I just want the music to be as good as it possibly can be. Like I'm not really out here trying to pander to mainstream, which I did. I, I did that, and I think anybody who would find themselves in a position to be able to make fun simple club music or this or that and make you know 30 million dollars in a year would be stupid to not do that you know and i did it and i was hyped and i'm i'm here in fucking malibu oh i love it i love it i love it um also too i wanted to get back into still we're still in a retirement slash covid i like this guy because he knows i'm gonna ramble but you're bringing it back (laughs) i gotta bring it back he's remembering okay (laughs) you also got into Acting. Yeah. With, with your boy, Joseph Gordon-Lovett. That's true. And, I mean, I was there on, on, on set, and you did your thing. I remember you had that, that amazing scene, and, you know, there was a standing ovation for you, which was dope. On set. It was a vibe. Obviously, I know what's going on, but I ask as if, I'm a, if I, I was a consumer or somebody watching or listening, what's, what's next in the, music, in the movie world for you? I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's something that me and Mike talk about a lot. Like, uh, it's... It's like a fickle thing. I got scripts I've written, you know, there's opportunities that come, some I don't want to do, some I'm really interested in, but film is such a game of development. Like, it takes time, bro. You know, there was a movie I was going to fund myself for, you know, like three, four million dollars, and then and then I'm like, I don't, do I really want to do, I'm all excited about it, and I'm like, we're doing it, and then it's like, even when you have all the money, like, just because you have the money to fund it a movie doesn't mean it's going to be simple and easy. You know, it's like it literally takes a village. And I think that's something that was a little difficult for me in things outside of music because I am patient and I have the patience, but knowing like, oh, like it, it isn't a one man show. Like 
I can go upstairs, make a beat, record myself, do a whole album alone. You can't make a movie alone. I mean, unless it's like Blair Witch and that shit sucks. (laughs) (laughs) If, and this is a, this is a a question that has to do with movies, but also your memoir. If If somebody decided to make your memoir a movie, who would, who would play you? Who's the sexiest motherfucker I can think of? <laughs> Jordan, my security guard. <laughs> Shout out, Jordan! <laughs> I don't know, probably like Anthony Anderson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know, I don't know. Um, and then it's like, is he mixed? It's like, do we stay true to form and like he's actually mixed but looks white like Wentworth Miller from Prison Break? You know what I'm saying? For real. Like, It's like, do we do that? <laughs> I don't know. Is 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 is, is sus ass uh, entertainment gonna be upset if a white dude plays a half black guy? <laughs> I, don't know. Like, I don't know. Who fucking knows? I don't know. I wanted to go back to uh, what you said about the memoir and how you said it was therapeutic for you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to your retirement, do you think that was helpful and therapeutic for your creativity? Is it taking that break? Yeah. I also got lucky. Um, you know, COVID isn't some like a funny thing by any means but like i don't know how serendipitous it could have been that when i decided to step away from music everyone had to step away from music Mm -hmm. so i was mentally prepared to do it you know it's a very unfortunate thing you know people who had planned whole tours you know artists uh their first shot their first opportunity who you know weren't even in the mainstream and maybe had a massive fan base and then spent Fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to fund a, a tour, jumping in a van, and they lost all their money because they, mm-hmm. they couldn't even go on tour. Like that's really sad, you know. Um, and I think cr- creatively, for me, stepping away and being mentally prepared to do so, definitely, uh, it was awesome and it was freeing because even like any rhymes or things that I was working on or making, to this day, it's just different now, man. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I think fans can feel it. I think people can feel it. Um, you know, if I always made the under pressures and the, the incredible true stories, like I would not be here today. I wouldn't be as big as I am today. If I just did those things over and over and pandered to a specific audience, you know, I had fun, man. I really did. I had fun doing different shit and making mainstream music and pop music. I did. And I could wake up tomorrow and be like, Hey, we doing it again. You know, it it could be whatever I want, but I really believe that the music that I'm will make even if it is like more poppy or this or that it's gonna it's gonna be different it's like i'm gonna rap like i like rapping and um i made my money man like that's the real thing it's like i made my money so now it's like fuck y'all i'm gonna do whatever i want and what i want to do is rap and make beats on my npc and and help other artists other musicians you know um that's you know what's crazy is like the Kanye zap, you know, Kanye be zapping the fuck out of people and just like taking their whole shit. And, but it's tight. I'm trying to do that. And I've been doing that, but really putting them on. And that's not me shitting on Ye. I'm saying it's like, it's apparent, you know what I mean? Ye has writers and different people and all this other shit. And that's great. I think that's fire. I want to take whoever wrote this hook or, um, you know, uh, if I was inspired by this flow or this, this or that, like really put them on and not just people that have an audience, not like a, a, a lower tier rapper uh, or musician. And when I say lower tier, I mean, as far as a spotlight being on them and then like, that's kind of already popping. 
Like, no, taking somebody, you know, like people I found on TikTok or social media that people really don't know. They have no idea who, who they are, but they inspire me. I listen to their music and then put them on a song and change their life. You know, it's like, why don't we do that? As musicians, as artists, um, I think I think this is a very selfish game and we're out for number one. And I think that's not a problem. But when you become number one, why not step back and help someone else be great? You know, like even when I found Jack, I mean, I have shit to do with Jack's, uh, you know, come up or success. But like I've discovered Jack Harlow and was like, this is amazing. And I would like tweet his music out and throw it on my Instagram story with a swipe up link because I was verified and I, that, like all this other stuff. Not to come back to Jack, but like he's a prime example of, you know, an artist that I discovered and I liked and I just wanted the world to know that I liked him, you know. Um, so, yeah. I feel like that's always been part of your, your just who you are as a person too. I think all of us here can speak on that and you've done that for us as well. Like I was just some kid going to college and hit you up on Instagram after a show and look where we are now. I knew you had that big dick though. That's why. <laughs> <Sorry, bro. laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what to say after that. Um, but I wanted to talk about because you brought up. Finding new artists, you know, I like doing the duets on TikTok and finding, you know, uh, just awesome people. But I also know that you take a lot of time off social media as well. Yeah. The love-hate relationship you have with it and like you love your fans, but you hate the comments. What, what balance do you like? How do you how do you balance it? It's not even the comments, dog. It's the culture. Once again, like how just people speak to each other is wild. Like, like the overall vibe of consumption of music is just so different. You know, I look at people like shitting on artists because they don't like an album or something. You know what I mean? Like they love an artist until they make something that maybe isn't that popular or isn't. Uh, that welcome in the community of fandom that they, and then it's like, fuck this dude, like fell off careers over like blah, blah, blah. Like I even saw it like with chance or whatever. And I just thought it was really weird because chance is thriving right now. Like it's not like anything really affected. You know what I mean? Like, like he's an incredible musician. He's the, the voice of Chicago. Like, you know, him and cats like Vic Mensa and uh, real spitters. And, I just think it's funny, personally, as a person who's had a hit record, how people could try to... What's the song he did? The Shower Shit? What's, what's it called? What's the shower? The Chance the Rapper Shower Thoughts or something. He did that song and... that like Here's a prime example. That song, I wouldn't really personally listen to that song because I don't really listen to a lot of pop music, which is funny because I've made a lot of pop music, but I, what I was really making was money. <laughs> and, um, like... I, I listen to that song and I'm like, this just sounds like some, some cool chance of rapper shit. He's having fun, whatever. And so for people to have like tried to flip out on the fact that like this song, no, da, 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 and it's like, well, how does it have a billion streams then? Well, if it's really as bad as you say, how does it have a billion streams dog? And don't say Justin Bieber. I, I probably didn't hurt, <laughs> but yeah. it's like, that's not why it has a billion streams. It has a billion streams because it's a really great, song for that audience 
And so the way people speak now, like, you know, I see it's all chances coming back, coming back from where chance has always been a fantastic musician, singer, dancer, actor, you know, he does it all. He's incredible. And I remember being jealous as fuck a chance. I remember when acid rap came out and I was on like my third young Sinatra and he blows up and he's the biggest thing in music. And, and that's a, that's an entirely different conversation, but it's essentially as far as envy and jealousy. Like when I was a young kid, I'd see all these other rappers and be like, oh man, why is he on? How come? I, I know I'm good. I know I'm good. And it's just like, bro, you need to turn that into happiness, empathy, appreciation of your brothers. And now when I look at whether it's somebody like a Jack, you know what I mean? This next generation of young dudes or, you know, uh, somebody who's in my graduating class, like I just cheer them on that. That's what's important. And so to see how the internet treats people and talks about people is a difficult thing. So you want to talk about comments. It's like not even comments. It's like how people literally could just be like, Oh, chance is whack. What? It's like chance was on top of the world for like almost a decade. Wasn't missing project 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 bars performances tours and he does one album that the whatever people on the internet don't like and all of a sudden chance is not good anymore that's the problem i have with uh where we are today and how we consume music have you ever felt that way um yes but i was like ignorant that's how i felt about yeezus i was like this shit sucks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I don't want to hear this fucking shit, blah, blah, blah. I was so close-minded, man. I was so close-minded that I couldn't... We go, we immediately listen to shit, and we, we say what we don't like about it first. That's right. just what we do. But we, it hasn't always been that way. You know what I mean? We can still uh, express our frustrations or uh, our taste, what we like and what we don't like, but it's just so different going back to, like, the kid telling his mom, like, yo, this breakfast ass. Like, who the fuck talks like that? So I was just kind of ignorant, but as I, as I grew and my palette expanded as a musician, I was like, I learned to understand some things just aren't for me, but the first thing I should be doing through this musical exploration on the side of fandom is saying, what do I like about this? You know what I mean? I like Bound too. I like Blood on the Leaves. I like... This and then I start saying it and I'm like, well, shit, I like fucking damn near the whole album. What the fuck am I complaining about? Like, you know, and that's 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 what people do. Uh, 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 So my favorite musician of all time is Mac DeMarco. I like Mac DeMarco over Michael Jackson. I like Mac DeMarco over Adele. I like Mac DeMarco over Prince. I like Mac DeMarco over everybody. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Do I think he's technically better than Freddie Mercury? No. Freddie Mercury would fucking sing, oh, out-sing this motherfucker in his grave right now. Like that, that, But I love Mac DeMarco. And Mac DeMarco released uh, an album called Here Comes the Cowboy. And when it came out, you know what I did? I went, this isn't really for me. And I love Mac. And I listened to the album. I bought fucking 15 copies of it on uh, you guys know how i do that. literally i got the cd i got the cassette i got fucking 19 vinyls and when i listened to it i was like man really love this song i really love this song i really love this song and none of the songs are bad that doesn't exist you know what i mean it's like it doesn't exist for a musician like a real musician like just can't make bad music it, it could be subjective mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? But if you know how to hold a note, know how to rap, know how to this, know how to make beats, like you're, you're good at what you do. But I understand that term. Um, and now, years later, I'm like starting to like the album even more. And just because I wasn't where the artist was when he made it doesn't mean that I can tell him how or what or this or that he should be making just because I want him to make that kind of music. I think it's, I should be able to say thank you for what you have done. And I hope I see you on the next one or this or that. Da, da, da. And then he drops like the demos for the album and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like that, da, da, da. And, and Max an amazing person. But I just use that as a prime example of like, Max, my favorite artist, and there's music that he makes that maybe isn't necessarily my favorite or I'm selfishly not in the mood for it. But there's a hell of a lot of people out there that are in the mood for it and do like it or this or that. But that's any artist with any album, with any this, with any that. And mind you, I say all this to say, I love Adele. I love, you know, Prince. I love all the, the, those are like some of the greatest and some of my favorite um, musicians but that's just my taste. And even with my favorite, 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 you don't have to like everything that they do. If you like them and you love them and you support them, then that's all that matters. And in this day and age, it's like once somebody releases one thing, one song, one th everything's so hot and cold. You know, even myself, like I could release... I released a couple singles for vinyl days and everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then you maybe release one and they're like, I heard this already or, or this. Like everyone is looking for something to complain about. And that's why I don't be on the internet because I don't see the shit, you know? Yeah. So that way I just don't, because I think that that's also something that hindered me. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, is please. like being so on the internet. I was then making music about the things that were on the internet because the internet was da 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 da. And it's just like, man. Uh, you know, Donald Glover's a genius because of the internet. <laughs> but you know what? Also, too, as we were driving up here, I was telling I was I was telling Juan that it's, it's it sucks as a as a fan that you that it's, it's like a you as being you the artist you feel that way because your brand was built on connecting with your fans on Twitter on Snapchat. You met Juan through the. Uh, Instagram DM, you met Christian. It's, just, it's impossible, man. It's like being like, dude, man, remember the days of radio, man? Uh, okay. yeah, <laughs> remember those days of radio, man, when we could just have our singles on the radio, man? And we and all these other amazing artists couldn't weasel their way through a fucking like that's it's just like bro times change bro that's real the internet ain't the same internet it was ten years ago that was my biggest I cried about it in bed one night with my wife whoa. I literally, like, I had made this decision to let my connection with my fans go, and I fucking sobbed. And she was there for me because I was like, it's like losing someone. Because I'm like, I love my fans so much, and I've always been able to go on the internet and be like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. And yeah, you got your haters, you got your this, da-da-da. But it wasn't like this. It wasn't like where everything you do makes you question everything you do. And, and I was like, I, I can't be a part of this and I'm going to miss these people so much. And the worst part, like the worst case in that scenario is, well, I'm just like every other musician now, untouchable, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But the cool thing and where I'm at in my career now is for every post that you don't see of me on Instagram, 
for every tweet that isn't out there. Those are lyrics on an album. Oh, for real. Bars. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like those, <laughs> instead of putting my whole shit out there and then making whatever music or just trying to be relevant and da da da. No, I'm going to take everything that I'm feeling. You know, that's why it's like, fuck society that tries to make people speak up on like certain things. You know what I mean? In, in the community, whether it's fucking, you know, police or, or what's going on um, with violence and all this other shit. Like that shit is terrible. It's horrible. And nobody should be forced to speak about some shit. Like, I'm the type of motherfucker to put it in my album. That's how I am. Make a statement. A statement from me. Why don't you ask the fucking president? How about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, for me, I'm what the fuck? What I'm going to do on Twitter? Like, that shit is whack. You know, if I have something to say, I'm going to say it like I've always said it on my biggest platform that reaches apparently billions of people as far as streams go. That's where I'm going to say what I got to say so it can live forever, not in some hashtag bullshit 30 second fucking moment, you know, on the Internet. So half woke fucking people think they're doing something. Get the fuck out of here. I'm going to do the best that I can through my music uh, to spread a message of peace, love and positivity that will hopefully incept the minds of others that will continue to spread that message uh, through degrees of separation uh, and integration together. That's what the fuck I'm going to do. And so that's just another thing about the internet. I hate the internet. And I love it. Respect, man. Pornhub, man. <laughs> I ain't wrong. Um, so then you unretire. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that was the quickest retirement I've ever I've ever seen. You're about you, to be here for like three hours. I already know. <laughs> I'm I'm with it too. Oh, let's do it then. Yeah, let's get it. Well, but you but you unretired. You unretired. Um, you know, you released a statement on Instagram saying I'm back. What made you come back what made you bring out the 45 michael jordan jersey and say i'm back i want to get the fuck out of out of def jam and i was going to ask you also with that being said this being your last album on def jam how does that how does that make you feel uh it makes me excited because you know i remember when we were shooting the vinyl days doc because we did the whole album in 12 days and i remember when we shot it JT, the director, was like, I was playing music from these vinyls, which we'll get into probably the, yeah. the making of the album. But I was playing these vinyls from like 60s and 70s. And JT goes, man, I love this era. And I go, I know, bro, the 70s was. And he goes, no, man, this era of logic. And I was like, whoa. He's not wrong. Yeah, it's like, yo, this is a new, there's, there's, it's different. Everything is different. Like, I, I do things differently. I move differently. I write differently. I produce differently. You know, my intentions are different. Um, and so I'm really excited for what I'm going to be able to do creatively, independently. And I also thank everybody in that building that was there for me over the years and, and helped me and genuinely cared about me. So, yeah. And with the making of the new album, because we were going to get into it, I feel like, well, first off, let's talk about this, man. Trackless, 30. 30, yeah, 30, 30. tracks, yeah. But so. at the same time, too, for the people who are thinking, fuck, that's too many songs or whatever the case is. Well, first of all, let's also just say, Logic, don't retire. Logic, don't retire. Logic, come back. Logic, give us music. Logic, give us music. 30 tracks! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, continue. No, but what I was going to say was, <laughs> it's not like it's a bunch of bullshit. Like, no, like, yeah, I, like nah. we're, we're talking about 30 tracks, but we also have... 
yourself, Action Bronson, JJ Abrams. We have uh, Langston Bristol, Currency, Russ, Wiz Khalifa, Big Limbo, Castro, Royce Five Nine. I mean, I can keep on going. Yeah. You got Blue and Exile out of wherever they've been, and they they got on. You know, yeah. you got Like from Pac Div. You got DJ Premier. Shout out DJ Premier, and then you got the game. Like, yeah. How, how did Aaron Judge? Like, it's like the it's like the craziest. I feel like. Most of these songs are like two minutes too. So that's what's cool about it. But also too, I like the fact that I feel like this is the first time. And I always tell you, I mean, I always like bring it up to like, man, like you should reach out to so-and-so, reach out to so-and-so because you're so well-respected. And I don't know if, if you really believe that or not, but like after seeing Young, uh, Young Sinatra, when that came out and you had the whole Wu-Tang, what's never happened, you know, when, when Confessions came out and you had Eminem, I feel like, this is the first album where it was literally a phone call and the legends came out. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I think I've always been so scared of rejection, you know, like uh, coming up. I was scared to reach out to Chance the Rapper. You know, I was scared to reach out to Action or Joey because I'm such a huge fan of these people that I didn't, you, you don't want to hear your favorite Rapper be like, nah, I'm straight. <laughs> what, what's the quote? Like, yeah, you don't want to meet your heroes? or Yeah, yeah, don't meet your heroes or whatever. But then I think in retirement, it really let me be like, man, who gives a shit? Like, you're either going to say yeah or you're going to say no. So what? And if you say no, that doesn't mean you don't like me. Maybe that means you don't like the song. Maybe that means you don't got time. Maybe you're having a baby. You know, maybe you're going broke. I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know. So I started taking that out of... Like, I remember I was on Twitter a couple of years ago, and I hit up uh, Sloan from Dayglow, and I was like, I love your music, and he didn't respond, and the, my first instinct from 10 years in the game was, fuck this kid. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man, blah, 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 and then I was like, no, Bob, chill, you're an adult, Grow, you're growing, <laughs> and I had my management hit his management, and before I know it, we were on text message, and then we're talking, and then we're on Zoom, and we're playing each other music, and... You know, he's going to be producing some some cool, fun indie shit I'm working on. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you you know, no, you never know, bro. So there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> With the track list, I mean, I know there's so many, but what was your favorite, what's your favorite story on a particular song or particular skit that you want to talk about? Oh, okay. You got 30 options, so. <laughs> yeah, so J.J. Abrahams is the title of his skit. And it's funny because a lot of people see it and they, they they don't really think about how his name is spelled. So they keep calling it J.J. Abrams. It's actually J.J. Abrahams is what the skit is titled. And then the reason I did this is because, um, you know, we're really friendly. I consider him a friend. He's really awesome. And a lot of people don't know he's actually like a low-key fire musician. He has like synths and he producing and shit, but I probably shouldn't put him on blast. Anyway, so um, he texted me that he was hanging out with Roger Lynn. Now, those of you who don't know who Roger Lynn is, he's the creator of the MPC, which I make fucking beats on and shit. Me and RZA and Doom and Madlib and Dilla and so many incredible producers out there. And I was like, oh my God, no way. And he goes, yeah, man. He's like, I'm going to have him like write you a little note or something. I was like, oh, amazing. <laughs> So he sends me this picture of a note Roger Lynn wrote me. And it said, hi, Bobby. But he spelled it B-O-B-B-I-E, like a woman. 
And I was like, nice. So he goes, hi, Bobby. I heard you like my stuff. Like, keep it up. Thanks, Roger. <laughs> and I was like, damn, this motherfucker fucked my name up. I'm still going to frame it. <laughs> right? And then um, and then JJ's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mail it to you. So like three weeks go by and I hit JJ. I'm like, hey, man, did you ever mail it? And he's like, I did. It didn't reach you. And I was like, nah, but it's, it's all good. It's all good. It must have got lost in the mail. <clears throat> and so he's like, fuck that. So then he gets Roger Lynn to like officially write me a letter like from his desk on the like Akai, like it says Akai, like from the Akai MPC, like, like letterhead. And he spells my name right. And he goes, Bobby. J.J. Abrahams told me <laughs> that. So then he fucks J.J.'s name up. And I just thought that that was so funny. And, you know, he's like, I'm a guy in his 60s. I don't know much about hip-hop, but um, I checked out a couple of your songs, and they sound good. Keep it up. And I'm like, you don't know about hip-hop? You, like, help birth this shit, like, with your, you know, with your technology. Um, anyway, so there's there's a fun behind-the-scenes little thing. Would you like one more maybe about music? I wanted to hear about your reaction when somebody hit you up about Orville. Dude. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. I'll suck Seth MacFarlane's dick. I love <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. Bro. He is amazing. Dog. Like, so I'm so hyped because we're getting friendly and I'm, I'm excited. So Seth MacFarlane is like one of my biggest muses, bro. From family guy, American dad, Cleveland show, Ted to his music. Like Seth MacFarlane sings like on some straight Sinatra shit He's doing his thing. And in a way, that's kind of, I kind of really relate as far as Vinyl Days goes because Vinyl Days is just some super hip-hop, like, straight to this genre. And he sticks to that on that old, like, Sinatra vibes. And, yeah, so he has this show called The Orville, which I am obsessed with. And it's basically Star Trek in a realistic reality with sex jokes. <laughs> and I love it. It's a lot more than that, but I love it. And so I did this song and I called it the Orville and, uh, he, his, his character's name is Captain Mercer. So I say, uh, Captain Mercer on a beat, watch me murder the krill. That's a sci-fi reference, nerd shit, my preference, whatever the fuck I say. I don't know. I got a lot of raps in my head and, um, he fucking retweeted that shit, dog. He retweeted my shit and he was like, the Orville loves you back. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like <laughs> squirting. Like, I can't believe it. I'm like, this is so insane. And then he followed me and I'm like, oh, this motherfucker followed me. And I was like, how many people does he follow? A couple hundred. Oh my God. So I slide all up in his DMs. I slither in that motherfucker like Harry Potter. And I'm like, um, Malfoy. And I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> No, I was like, I was like, yo, man, like I'm, I fucking love you, bro. Like I just kept it a hundred. That's how I've always been, right? I've never tried to play it cool, and yeah. I was just like, dude, I fucking love you. I love everything that you've done. Like you've been a big inspiration to me. Like thanks for showing love. And he's like, yeah, man, you know the song's really great. Like you're dope at what you do. I played it for some of the cast members, and they really loved it too. And then I was like, oh, dope. Okay, well, thank you. And uh, <laughs> you ever want to get dinner on me and have a nice whiskey? Let me know. <laughs> and that's like where it should end. And he's like, bet, when, what's up? When you want to get together? He's like, I have my people hit your people. And I'm like, oh, man. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. So let's talk about that song that you have in my lifetime featuring my guy, the YouTube sensation, but also a dope ass rapper, Action Bronson. Yes. I love it. I remember the first time you met him, 
We were in Minneapolis, I want to say like four years ago. I remember we were walking by. Well, actually, the first time I saw you meet him, I don't know if that's the first time you met him. I remember we were walking by, and that was when he was a bigger action, a little more heavy, yeah, heavier. Yeah. And he was like, yo, logic. And you're like, oh, shit. And I remember that was another moment where I was like, damn, people like me because <laughs> I got always like stayed in my zone. That's a big read. Like, you know, that video where I'm like, I don't fuck with nobody. I don't fuck with nobody. I just, you know, X, Y, Z and my puppy and whatever. And da, da, da. Like, I was really about that life. Like, I really didn't fuck with nobody. And I was like, damn, you know, the world really ain't that mean. Like, it's it's some really cool people out there. And if you put your hand out to not get shaken, shook. It might not a couple times, yeah. but I think it will be met with love 99% of the time. I, re- I really believe that. Um, and he's one of them. Love action. He went in. He went in. It's funny because that was originally going to be on the Magic album with me and Madlib, and, uh, which is still totally going to happen. And it's funny. I was talking about it the other day, but whatever. It's another story for another time. So... um. It was a different beat. Actually, me and Madlib, here's, here's, I'll give you one right now. Me and Madlib did the entire Magic album in like a weekend. Oh. I don't know why that's funny. Is this one? There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm known for not having my buttons dialed in. <laughs> well, the questions are, and that's all that Appreciate matters. that. So, yeah, we did the whole thing, like literally the whole album, you know, Juan was working on artwork and shit, and we were coming up with ideas and fun stuff. And then this motherfucker... Okay, so the, the way it happened is, is Egon sent me every Mad Lib beat ever. So I have every Mad Lib beat that he's ever made ever. Same. Basically, since like 2005. Right? Gigs and gigs and gigs. And I went through all of them, and I just created a super album of like my favorite beats that he did. And I just... I was so inspired, and I wrote the whole thing. And then he comes over and he listens to it and he's like, this shit's amazing. He's like, yo, this shit's crazy, Lodge. Lodge. And I was like, I was like, thanks, bro. And he's like, yeah. I don't remember any of these samples, though, so we're not going to be able to clear it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, damn. So we're working and I'm just going to, you know, take raps and put them on other beats and stuff like that. And we'll do that eventually. Yeah. That's lit. Yeah. But this was going to be on it. And that was one of the samples that couldn't get cleared. So I redid the beat and then kept Bronson on it. And yeah. Hell yeah. One of my favorites and also a fan favorite is uh therapy music with Russ. Yeah. I feel like that was a long time coming. Yeah, for sure. I think Russ is a really cool guy. And I think he had a chip on his shoulder for a long time. Like many of us, did and some of us might still have um and i think uh he felt like i felt you know unappreciated like he had to fight for every scrap and he did it on his own and now you know what i mean he's one of the biggest rappers in the world he should be proud of himself i'm proud of him and um it's been really special to also just see his attitude change and now as he's gotten older Focusing on what matters most, right? Which is kind of like fuck the drama. And that's how I feel. Cause like a lot of people would like try the whole like biracial thing with me or whatever. But like really, I never really talked about it. It was just something that I made very clear. Cause I got sick of people just calling me white all the time. So I was like, no, I'm actually this thing. 
And then the the media turned it into this whole big thing. So then I, every interview I go, I have to defend myself because somebody else is bringing it up. And so I feel like that was kind of like his shit too. Like somebody was always trying to come at him or this, that, and a third or whatever. And I think he was just like, fuck it. Like, fuck this shit. I'm good. I got my money. You know, because I think cats like us really wanted, you know, for real, like the Charlemagnes or the Joe Buttons or the whatever to like accept us and love us. But they didn't because we love them. You know, Joe Budden at a time was one of my favorite rappers ever, you know, because of his shit in Slaughterhouse. And I was like, yo, this, this shit is crazy. So then to have this guy that you look up to say some shit about you, like he can fuck with you. And and it did with me years ago. And I think the same could be said. Now, I can't sit here and speak for Russ, but based off the fucking conversation we had on the phone that led to the song, we're talking about therapy. We're talking about self-love, appreciation. Uh, of what we have now and and in our lives and that our fans are the only thing that matters. Our health, our fans, our, our family, our team, that's it, dude. All this other shit is folly. It is nonsense. It does not matter. Um, but I think he would agree in saying it doesn't matter until you get it. It's a real thing. Cause it's like, uh, you want to be loved. You want to be this, you want to be that. And maybe you're not loved by the people you want to be loved by. But you realize those people you want to love you actually hold zero weight in your career, in your money making, in what matters most to you. And you've had the things that do do that all along, but you couldn't see it. You know, it's kind of like somebody who can't appreciate another person in a relationship or some shit. And then they fucking, they leave or, or they don't feel appreciated. And then they leave that relationship and they love themselves and go, oh, this is all I needed the whole time. And Pornhub. <laughs> I got two more. I got two more from for the album. Gotta love Russ, though. Yo, shout out Russ. That's my brother. He's a fucking dope dude. Nothing but Russ. I feel like this was... Well, I guess, in a sense, is this. Again, I know a lot more than most of the people who are listening, and you got the game. Yeah. Now, you and the game <laughs> have this ongoing... Uh, that's my, like, big brother. That's what I'm saying, and that's what I, was, I wanted to get into, man. Like, Which every, is so funny. Every time you guys see each other, it's always at Nobu. Yeah. And one of you guys are trying to pick up the bill. Yeah. But that motherfucker, man. I remember one time I tried to pay for his shit and something happened and he just started throwing up gang signs. And I was like, oh, man. No. Oh, that was funny. That's what I'm saying. No, that didn't happen at all. But, but uh, yeah, no, he's always just, he's quick with the card, man. I don't even be knowing. Me and my wife's whole shit's paid for. I'm like, fuck. But he's also quick with the verses. He always comes correct with And you. he's a sweet man. I don't know if he would like me calling him that. <laughs> he's a sweet man. He's a fucking gentleman, dog. Like, I remember my wife saw him at Nobu, and she was with her girlfriends, and she texted me. She was like, oh, your friend, um, the game is here. <laughs> the game is here. And I was like, I was like, oh, go say what's up. She's like, no, I, I you know, he's not going to remember me. That's how a lot of women feel. For sure. Fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, just a side note, when motherfuckers talk to me and I, and I could tell that they're focusing on me and not my wife, you're talking to me. My wife is right here. This is what I do. Oh, really? Dope. And I look at my wife, so they're forced to look at my wife. 100%. Fuck that shit. Be a gentleman. Anyway, Game texts me and he goes, he goes, hey, man, I saw your wife at Nobu. 
but I didn't want to bother her. You know, no blah, way. Blah. yeah. And I was like, I was like, damn, she wanted to say hello, but she thought, I don't know, she didn't want it to be weird. And he's like, what? Like what? Da da da. And um, yeah. So he he's like a really he's a real gentleman, and he he cares. He he's not he's not like laser laser sight when it comes to. I don't know, maybe the most important person in the room or this or that. And, and I, I, that's how I've always felt. Kid Cuddy taught me that, man. You know, when, when Cuddy t- took me on tour, he's the first person to ever put me on. And he walks in the room. And before he even comes up to me, there's like three or four other people. Any other artist in the world would have just walked past them and just came to me. And he shook every single person's hand and he goes, hi, I'm Scott. Nice to meet you. What's your name? And I was like, yo, it's a real nigga. So he, doesn't, he, so he doesn't introduce himself as Cuddy. It's literally Scott. Yeah, I mean, but even if he did, who gives a shit? It's the fact that he cared enough to to introduce himself to other people in the room because other people are in the fucking room. Yeah. And this was like 2013, and I took that shit to heart. And I've 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 always done that. I'll walk in the studio. It'll be like a motherfucker with 30 dudes in his entourage, and I'm like, all right, fuck, all right, here we go. I'm going to need some sanitizer after this shit. <laughs> but that's it's important. You got DJ Premier to scratch on your on your album. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do it for anybody. I mean, I think in the past few years, he what well, he did it for Nas, he did it for ASAP Rocky, and then he did like a couple game? in the game. Yeah, but other than that, man, like I mean, and those I mean those names that I just said, like those aren't some like B C level rappers. Like those are legends. How'd you feel when you uh, when you reached out, and also how'd you feel when when you got the the scratches? It's cool because. Uh Premier, you know, I've known him for so long. We we, we technically worked together on Prime with Royce the Five Nine, which was like a dream come true for me. Um, and I did something for him, and uh, but mainly we just been friends. And you know, Primo, yeah, like yeah. he's he's the best man. All he cares about is his, his boy and being in the studio. You know, he's always at his son's little league games, and we have a really beautiful relationship. Like that's the homie. That's that's big homie and. And he makes me feel so welcome in my genre. And what's the verse on it? It's like a uh, premiere. That's my, that's my boy. That's my idol or something. Yeah. It comes in. I'm like, DJ premiere. That's my homie. That's my idol on the road to success. But y'all idol six on the beat. And then everybody on the internet thought Primo made the beat. Cause they're too fucking stupid. And didn't even listen to the song <laughs> complex magazine. Fucking morons. Get your shit together. I'm just saying you're a professional journalist. <laughs> fuck is wrong with you everybody else at complex doing your job good job i give zero fucks <laughs> i i'm I, i'm here for it so after this you leave def jam what happens now are you independent are you signed somewhere yeah yeah are no you, I'm, uh, I'm independent i'm getting this money shout out josh klein shout out josh klein my you business walk, manager just walked in the room just walked in the room <laughs> looking good looking sexy over there that's my guy. Um, creativity, fun, happiness, health. That's what I'm on. That's all I care about. And it's a balance every day. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be independent and to really make my, my own moves. I mean, you know, obviously I have an incredible team around me and people are going to be there uh, to aid me and, and, you know, keep my head right and shit. But it's like, it's just really cool that I'm not going to have to worry about somebody in a tie telling me no Mm -hmm. you brought up the word team and i wanted to talk about you know what most what a lot of people do especially in your position um your success you know your financial you being rich right sometimes 
the team changes. Sometimes, oh, bro, are you kidding? But, yeah. but what I'm saying is, you know, I've been here for over five years. Juan's been here for over five years. Jordan's been here for over six years. You have six who's been your producer for over 15. You have Castro here with you who's yeah, been here since day yeah, one. Lenny, yeah. day one. Bobby Campbell, day one. Josh Klein, day one. And like, why? a lot of motherfuckers that came and went, too. But there's been a lot of people who has stayed. Yeah. Why do you believe in just in keeping such a core group? Because a lot of people will be like, all right, like, it's not my fault. It's y'all fault. And then just, like, leave them in the dust. If you're in a jungle and you're hunting down a fucking lion because you want to wear that that coat, you going to do it alone? No. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, you know, whether it's whatever the fuck you hunting in that jungle, like, you, you can't do it alone. You just can't. And yeah. I think a lot of people think that they can. And I think that ignorance holds them back. You know, whether they're too ignorant to accept the fact that they are human, that they need help, that they need to be educated. Um, it's a sad thing for many artists, especially because so many of us are ignorant. Like, I was a very ignorant um, young musician. But it's people like Josh Klein. It's people like Chris Zaru. It's people like uh, Six who took the time to actually educate me. Paul Rothenberg, my attorney. And it's funny because whether, and I'm not just saying this because the motherfucker's here, but Josh, Paul, these people are like, I fucking love you. Like you care to know about your finances, what's coming in, what's coming out, this and this. Or, you know, Paul saying you actually want to know what these stipulations are or what's in the agreement or this or that. And he's like, most people are just like, yeah, all right, let's just get this money. Just give me the check. And then they don't really understand what, what comes after that. Do people take your kindness for weakness? Um, nah. Because you're a very kind rapper. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. I think anybody in my business knows that, like anybody in my circle knows, like I'll fire you ASAP. It doesn't matter how long we've been together, how long we've worked together. If you fuck up, like that's it. It's just, it is what it is. I care to, I'll take the time. It's not like I'm going to fucking just be like, level. like I'm the person that'll like literally lose sleep over it and think about this person's life and what they got to do or this or that. Like that's, that's who I am, but it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it is what it is. I think people think differently of me as a musician mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, like image or how I speak or present myself. And I could give a fuck because I'd rather be me and nerdy and looking how I'm looking and be fucking rich and have fans all over the world than try to put on some image and I can't fucking sell out Tabernacle or fucking, what's that, what's that shit we, we did? Troubadour? Troubadour. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Motherfucker can't even sell out Troubadour and shit. Fuck that. <laughs> what? I'm just being real. No, it's real. I'm not knocking it. Fuck that. Breath Control just came out last night, mm. and it's with, with Khalifa. Yep. You guys also announced a tour, a yes. summer tour. Yes. You and Wiz. Um, you guys have, fuck, at least maybe four or five songs together, whether it's you guys have been featured on or yeah. And you guys have never met. Still never met Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> Still <this> never <laughs> met. Um, let, tell me about the song. Then also, too, tell me about how this whole... Um, co-headlining tour came about yeah song is tight <laughs> cool song, song's dope. Cool. it's just some rap shit you know wiz is like yeah bad bitches and good weed <laughs> and then i'm like motherfucker gotta get up with the 
And then there it is. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it, it was dope. I did, I did the record, and then I, I was just like, hey, man, I think you'd sound really cool on this. Plus, we're going on tour together. We should do something. He was like, yeah. The tour came together because um, I originally was going to just go on my own tour, and then his manager had hit my manager and was just kind of like, yo, what do you guys think of going out together? It could be a lot of fun, you know, like first time for us both especially after COVID and all this, like, let's just have a good time. Let's have fun. Keep it simple. And it's going to be weird for me, but in a good way, because I'm so used to having all this pressure on my shoulders. But now knowing that we're co-headlining this, it's like we split that time. You know, we're going back and forth one night. He ends the next night. I end like everything's very even, evenly built. It feels cool. There's no ego, no bullshit. Like their, their whole team is super professional and awesome. And I was just like, yeah, it's a no-brainer, man. Go out, have some fun. Yeah. You know? Pay Live Nation. <laughs> best, off the top of your head, best tour experience that you can think about right now. Best tour experience that I can think is when uh, me and my 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 wife were dating, and I, was, I like didn't see her for like two weeks, and I smashed her on the back of the tour bus, busted it open. <laughs> she was tight. Oh, fuck. Her dad's probably watching this. <laughs> I love you, Kurt. Shout out, Kurt. Yeah, shout out, Kurt. I was on TikTok. I did some TikTok where I was talking about her, and I was like, "I was like, here's the best mother, beautiful woman, great in the sack." And then I was like, "Oh shit, your dad's probably watching." And then I'm at dinner, and he's like, "I was watching that." No way. <laughs> he's like, "I saw that." I was like, "Well, your daughter's fine. How the fuck do you think we made your grandson?" What is having a child changed? about you um it makes you less selfish for sure you think you think you care so much about this little thing and i think the best part about having a kid is like when you're stressed out and when you're dealing with so much shit they like force you to put your phone down you know what i mean and if you're a good parent you do and if you're a good parent, you'd be like, hold the fuck on. I got to finish this major deal I'm doing. Give me a second, motherfucker, and then I'll be there. Like, so it's it's balanced. But it's really made me stop giving a fuck. Like, for real, bro. Like, I don't give a shit. Somebody's like, oh, you know, I don't know. Fucking somebody's talking shit about you or blah, blah, blah. It's like, I could give a fuck. You really think I give a shit? Like, as a human being, I'll be like, damn. Why are you talking shit about me? I'm just peace, love, and positivity, man. Fuck this guy. Damn, that sucks. And that's as far as it goes. Like, I used to lose sleep over shit because I care. And now I don't. I just look at my son and his fine-ass mama, and I'm just like, damn. Like, I won. There's nothing nobody could do. He's healthy. Yeah, that's real. That's all that matters. So it, it's changed my perspective. Like, rap, like music and shit. Like, what's hot and what's not. And what's, who gives? Yo, I'm rich. I'm just going to do the best I can to stay rich. Give him a good life, make music, have fun, like all this other shit. It doesn't matter, man. So then, so then, I guess a question that I was going to ask, and I, uh-huh. I was talking to Juan about it, was your goals have changed. What were your goals when you at twenty, and what are your goals like when you turn twenty versus now? You know, this is a a really great question because of how it's we're about to go through this right now. So when I'm twenty years old. I just want people to know who I am. Then people know who you are. Now I want to release a project. You release a project and you're like, well, the next, next one needs to do bigger numbers. The next one does bigger numbers. Well, now I, I want to be able to perform live. You perform live for a couple hundred people. No, nah, not, not even a hundred, a hundred people. 
You release another project. Now it's 300 people. You're actually going on a tour. It's amazing. Yeah, this is great and all, but yo, I need a fucking, I need to be, I need a record deal, man. You get a record deal. It ain't over. Shit. Okay. Well, now I'm, tw- I'm 23. I'm working on an album. You release the album. I, the album's got to be amazing. It's got to be great. You release the album. It does okay. <laughs> and I got to go on tour for the album. You go on tour for the album. Now you do another album and, and, and you go, you start as this underdog. Right. And the underdog is loved because the underdog is the audience. I got to make it. Money's tight. Family's hard. You know, me and my team, me and my squad, we're trying to make it. Anybody can relate to that. And then over the years, you actually gain success and you go from juggling change to juggling millions of dollars. And you're like, damn, juggling millions of dollars is hard. And being famous is difficult. And being on the internet, and people go, Man, what the fuck is this shit? I don't want to hear this shit. I don't want to hear what the fuck, fuck you talk about money and being famous and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, but I'm doing the exact same thing I've always done. I'm rapping about what is going on in my life at that point in time. And I think surface level people who can't look deep enough to go, I'm still talking about dealing with money. I'm still talking about dealing with business. I'm still talking about dealing with family. It's just in a way that they can't relate to. No, I don't do that all the time. But the my mentality from when I was a 20 year old kid to now is completely different I remember um in 2015 I was on the incredible true story tour freaking out because I had like gnarly anxiety and I was with surf star Christian my buddy Chris and he was like he was like yeah like what's gonna make you happy man I'm like pacing in a in a in a um in a hotel parking lot midday in front of the tour bus and I'm like man if I just had five five million dollars in a house if I just had $5 million in a house, I'd be happy. And he's like, that's not true, Bob. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you're going to get $5 million in a house one day. And he's like, when you do, there's going to be some other shit. And he was right. There was some other shit. And there's more shit. And, there's this, and then you just, it's more money, more problems is real. So how can you control, how, not, not so much like the finance, but how can you balance that? How, how do you control that? State of mind and perception of what's going on. That's all it really comes down to. The perception of your reality. You know, if if you're sitting here, like, I could worry about money, and I'm good. But I did also just buy a fucking $5 million house in Malibu. <laughs> Let's get it. Give me those claps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> on top of the other, other house that I own, on top of, you know, the other houses that I rent for people, on top of employees, on top of bills, on top of... All these things like I could let it stress me out or I could do what I've learned in therapy, which is I'm never going to stop working. So why would I stress about money? Yeah. Like I'm never, I'm never, I mean, I should be cognitive, cognitive of what's going on with my money or how much I'm spending this month or blah, 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 or whatever. It's funny because I'm not trying to look at Josh Klein as I'm saying. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, it's just, you can't worry about it. And so whether you're me worrying about thinking about money or thinking about your career. As long as you're not being stupid and you're being true to yourself, you're going to be fine. You brought up, you brought up therapy. And I remember when you retired, um, you were, you were in therapy, but I think that's, but you got deeper and deeper into it. And I feel like therapy has changed you for, for the better. I feel like you've been able to just kind of like dissect things better and being able to speak to somebody. Um, what are your thoughts on therapy? What are your thoughts on the, sti- the the stigma of like, you know, 
You're in hip hop. You know? No, I'm not. Therapy's not allowed. I'm not in hip hop, dog. No. No. Hip hop is uh I am hip hop. I'm not in hip hop. I could give a fuck. I'm not in the pop world. I'm not in this. I'm in my house changing my son's diaper. That's what the fuck I'm in. You know what I'm saying? I'm in uh love with my wife. I'm in a place in my life where I'm happy. So I could give a fuck if somebody wants to make fun of me for bettering myself and my health and my mind. And I could low key shed a thug tear that they are so unhappy that they would make fun of or hate on someone for going out of their way to be as happy as they possibly can by doing the due diligence of finding ways to help them cope in a positive way. A few weeks ago, a video came up on TikTok. All right. Oh. <laughs> we were talking about your record label. Yeah. And uh, you went in on Def Jam. I did. Where'd that come from? It came, it came from a place of um, rational frustration. There's a lot of things that I've experienced with Def Jam um, that if I actually talked about, would not be pretty. And it would not be pretty for them. But there's a lot of things that they've done for me and for my career that are pretty and that are amazing. And so I want to try to focus on that. But I will say, uh, yeah, I was not happy. You know, my first... <laughs> but I will say... Uh, there's a lot of people in the building that are there for me and that, that help me. And this game is musical chairs. And that's really sad because there's people on my team and on my squad in the, in the label and in that building that leave mm -hmm. because they get better positions, better opportunities, better paychecks, better this, better that. And so when I would find a good groove, it would kind of be taken away because those people that were there for me then leave. And then you meet, have to meet a new guy or a new, a new woman and develop yet another relationship and explain yourself. And it's like this whole thing that's really difficult. Um, Def Jam really dropped the ball with my singles, the first singles that came out the gate. Um, and they weren't released how we had asked them to be released the way that I wanted to kind of drop them as two songs together. They were dropped completely separate. So fans wouldn't, didn't even know that one of them existed. And for me, I'm just like, that's completely uncalled for. Um, and I was upset about it and I voiced that frustration and they've been great and they've been on, on their shit since. And yeah, I feel like, I feel like the last, the last song, to the album to find vinyl day sayonara it's bittersweet i think it's a obviously sayonara you know peace but you're also i'm not you know spoiler but you're, you're giving so much praise to the people and to the record label who assist you for what the past yeah ain't nobody done that dog it's literally a fucking 10 minute song about me saying 
thank you. I love you. And also being like, y'all fucked up sometimes, but I love you. Like, I'm just being honest, man. I think a lot of, a lot of artists are scared to be honest, um, because of the repercussions, but it's like, I am Def Jam. You know what I'm saying? Like I've made that company a lot of money. Um, and I'm going to be real, but, but, but that's why I made the song. Cause I really do love everybody that's been there for me. And I named them all. It's funny because I was like really heated. And I even thought going into like these interviews, I was about to like kind of go off. But what's that going to do? That's what I've really thought. It's just like, what is that going to do? So I'll sit here and be like, yeah, they be fucking up sometimes, but that's major labels in general, bro. I can't just sit here and be like, Def Jam is the only one. You know, it's like my my biggest frustrations that I've just had with them, it really just comes down to money or them not paying producers or, you know, me coming out of my pocket and not being reimbursed and shit like that. Like, just stuff like that. But it's like, we don't got to get into it, you know, and it's not even like something I'm trying to with, withhold um, from you in this interview. It's just like, what the fuck is the point? I'm I'm out of the deal now. You know what I mean? Which is great. I mean, hopefully they don't have to make me wait nine months. It's a real thing. You know, I'm supposed to contractually, uh, I'm not allowed to release any music for nine months. After vinyl days. Mm-hmm. Not a song. And if I do, they own it. And then I believe they own it. And then the period starts again. So I can't, I believe, but I know that I, I can't release anything. It's really sad. Um, and hopefully they'll allow me to, release music a couple months after you know because i think that's real the the, the term is uh, to cannibalize you know you, you don't want to cannibalize or, or the same artist to essentially release an album and kind of do what frank ocean did <laughs> which i thought was dope but um and then just drop another album like the next day once you're yeah. once you're contractually out of your deal i don't want to do that I, I love vinyl days i want vinyl days to have its run um, I just don't think, I think we live in an era of music where everything is so oversaturated. There's, there's songs, albums, artists dropping constantly, constantly that in a month, nobody's even going to be talking about vinyl days. And I don't mean fans. I don't mean the culture. I don't mean people who appreciate, I'm talking about media. I'm talking about what you had considered hip hop when you talked about me being in hip hop. I'm yep. talking about, uh, it's it's just going to be old news because that's how fast everything is, you know? And I'm saying, I'm not even saying I want to be able to drop a month later or two months later or three months later. Just not nine months, you know what I mean? So hopefully they'll be nice about that. And Tunji, the new CEO, will take care of me and recognize that it's a very archaic system and, and um, not not him really, but just he, he, he'll know that and just kind of like, let me go out and be free and, and do my thing. You got... Michael Rappaport yeah. and Aaron Judge, they're both, you know, big in the sports world. Um, Rappaport is also a comedian, actor. How do they fit in this whole album? How does how do I fit in hip-hop? <laughs> Fuck it. Fit in where you get in, man. I just thought it was funny. I met Michael Rappaport at this uh, thing. It was Sound Money. Uh, Bitcoin Festival, yeah. Yeah, this Bitcoin Festival that I was headlining. And I was so nervous to meet him because it's Michael Rappaport, dude. Like, I was like, oh, my God. He was just the nicest guy, man. He was really, he was everything he's not in the skit, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. But, um, yeah, man, he was just, we were just, you know, friendly and exchanged numbers. And I was just like, hey, man, I got this funny idea. And he laughed. He thought it was so funny. And he was like, yeah, let me just shit on you for 
he went in like for like five minutes. Like I had to cut the <laughs> shit down actually. Um, and then Aaron Judge, you know, he's been a fan of mine and supported me for so long. And that's a, another biracial brother in arms. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And he hit me up and was like, he was like, hey, man, I want to bring you out to. Um, he's like, I, I know you have a show in Barclay, so I want to bring you to Yankee Stadium. And while the team is like warming up, I want you to make beats on the field. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, okay. And then somehow I joked about throwing the first pitch and he was like, we're going to make it happen. And I was just like, damn. And then I was like, yo, flex, can you, uh, I was like, this is no, no. I was like, this is a flex. Can oh. you say all that on a voice memo and send it to me so I can put it on my own? <laughs> <laughs> Same flex. Yeah, Funk Master Flex. Funk Master Flex. Funk Master Flex. Funk yeah, man. So he is, and I don't. I was trying to figure out the right word. Is it hosting? Is it, hosting. Okay. Yeah, he's hosting the album like a classic New York mixtape. Where, where did that come from? Because I was telling, I was telling Juana we were driving here. The last time that I can really remember is like when DJ Drama would do it for like Little Wayne's, you know, mixtape days. Where. How did you come up with that idea? That's, that's what I wanted. Like, that's what I thought about doing. And I was like, there's not many people have done that recently. Kendrick did it with Dam and Capri. I believe it was Capri. And he did it. And then Tyler did it with Drama. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, that's tight. But I had had this idea, like, even kind of before I heard those albums to, like, I was, I've just kind of wanted to do an album that feels like a mixtape for a long time. And, uh, and then it just made sense. And to me, Funk Flex is like, the God DJ, man, you know, he is New York city and he really understands me and my spirit. Like he knows who I am. Like he gets it. He gets me and he knows I'm not out here for no bullshit. And I just like to rap good and be a dad. And so I think that's why he fucks with me. Um, but I hit him up and he destroyed it, bro. He absolutely killed it. And I'm excited for people to see the, the documentary that we made. Yeah. That shit's about to be crazy. It's wild. I'll tell you this. So I saw that I was watching that documentary. I was like, damn, I really got that dad bod. And then I started working out like wild. I love it. I was thick boy in that, in that doc. Nah, but now you're fit boy. So I'm excited for it. Yes. Being on tour. All right. And this is where I wanted to get into like a little personal is you're on tour. How exciting is it going to be doing, um, the YouTube center, right? SoFi, SoFi stadium here in LA. And, you see your son in the crowd with the big ass headphones and you're out here fucking because, you know, his favorite song is I work hard every motherfucking day. Yeah. Every day he's, he's listening to that shit and you're going to be able to perform for him. How how like can you even explain the emotions you think that you're probably going to get out I'd of it? I probably cry. Fuck yeah. Because it's just cool to like see like. You know, you came on my nuts, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, for real. Like, so I'm a definitely like, it's going to be a moment, you know? That's going to be wild. Yeah. I never thought about it. I, I was th I was thinking about it today just because I was, as I was, we were getting, we were driving up, driving up here and I go, well, I should ask you the question. I asked you the question the other day. I'm like, hey, um, you know, we're talking about transportation and we're talking about yeah, your son. Yeah. And I was just like, holy shit. Your son is going to be watching you perform. I don't think he even, he doesn't grasp his dad. No. So I'm, like, I'm, what was, he's going to be like, what the fuck? He's, he's going to literally see thousands and thousands of people and just be like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, he's not going to understand it. And then I think he'll slowly start to get it. Like, oh shit, my dad is like fucking biracial king. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know who brought it up not too long ago, but we were talking about how 
your son, he was born and he's instantly famous. Weird. Weird. Because his dad's famous. That makes him, you know. Yeah, he's like um, a Kardashian. <laughs> That's actually he just pops out and he's he's famous. Ain't that famous though? Not, no, he ain't Kardashian famous. I ain't Kardashian famous. Wrapping up the podcast. I, <laughs> no, no, no. But wrapping up the podcast, I wanted I wanted to ask a few a few uh, questions that I'm known for how for ending the show. All right. However, before I start, I want to know Juan if you had any any questions that you wanted to ask Bob. Before yeah, but it, but it goes way back to what we were talking about. The way back, that's fine. Way back, way back, way way to the yeah, yeah. You retired, yeah. But you you retired right during COVID, yeah. A year before that, we sold masks on tour. <laughs> what do you know that we don't? It's funny. Wow, wrong one. No. Yeah, it was, no. nope. There you go. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, it would have landed better if the button was the right one. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. Three questions. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, you could let him answer, but well, yeah, no, I. It, you really part of the Illuminati? Uh, that's what I was about to say. So, like, you know, my blood sacrifice was Castro. That's why he went to prison for three years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, with that, I got a lot of information. You know what I'm saying? So I I set my man up with the Illuminati. It was great, and they told me about the vid, and so. Just so I can make a, just a little bit of extra money selling masks on tour, I thought I, I'd give my man up to Satan. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, uh, I was in I was in Japan <laughs> working on the Confessions of a Dangerous Mind album. I was in uh, in Tokyo, and I went to this uh, off white store in Virgil, R.I.P. Um, had done face masks, and I was like, "That's really cool." I think that's really dope. I want to do something like that for for my merch. And I did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> final three questions. Here we go. All right. Final three. It's the fight. See? The final. See? No, but that's like, you want to talk about production value, motherfucker? Like, you need to have that shit. All right. It's the final <laughs> countdown. Okay. Hey, we're, st- we're, st- we're, it's still a come up. Pep talk slowly. I'm coming. just being funny, man. I appreciate that. All right. What a um, great interview, by the way. I just want to say I love you. I appreciate that. Love you too, bro. And I'm so happy that my first interview can be with my best friends and just chilling. And, like, this is as real as it gets, man. And I love that you asked me, like, really honest questions. And you definitely got some fun, juicy shit. But, like, you're not a fuck boy. Like, you know what I mean? Out here asking stupid-ass questions, trying to bait motherfuckers and shit. And I really appreciate that. Because, I mean, I'm a grown man. If I don't want to talk about something or answer something, I, I won't do it. And just like even with the, with that whole Def Jam thing, yeah, I bet you motherfuckers was about to be, oh, here he goes. He's about to go off. And it's just like, nah. Anyway, great job. Thank you, sir. I yeah. appreciate that. Um, what's one piece of advice that you would give to an up-and-coming rapper? Oh, man. Uh, do it because you love it. Don't, 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 don't do it for any other reason than because you love it. When you're in the studio and you're making your music from your heart, whether it's turn up music or conscious music or whatever, don't be in there thinking about, I'm going to make this song so. I'm going I'm to write this rap because just make it from the heart and then plan the business aspect of it after the art has been made. Question number two. hundred years from now. Okay. On your tombstone. Yeah. Logic the musician. 
was this, this, this type of person, what three things would you put on there? Um, loving. Empathetic. And a family man. Okay, because then the next the next part of that question is, Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, mm-hmm. what three things, and this is being a husband, a father, a son, yeah, 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 a friend, yeah. three. On the tombstone? On the tombstone. It would say, you can't take your money with you, but there's a lot of cash in this casket with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, It's the same shit. And then the final question is this. I usually ask this about, you know, if you're trying to talk to your younger self, whatever, but this is going to be one for mm. you and your son, yeah. which is whether it's now, when he's 15, when he's 20, whatever, what's one piece of advice that you hope little Bobby carries with him when you're gone? Be a gentleman. The definition of a gentleman or a lady is a person who goes out of their way to make sure that every other person in the room feels as comfortable as they possibly can. Be a gentleman. That is it. And you're a quarter black. (laughs) (laughs) My guy. All right, my G. Look it. (laughs) Look it. That's the classic pet. Look look it, fool. We appreciate this, man. Um, I'm about to blast the fuck out this joint on all my socials. Give me good clips and shit. I'm... I got, I got you. I got you. And also, I got to shout out the first, first, first Strive for Greatness Big Dogs Only shirt that's dropping. <laughs> Created by Juan Ramirez. From the bottom of my heart, I'll say personally, man, this is a big opportunity for myself, for Juan, for, for Pep Talk, the umbrella. You didn't have to do this, you know. Um, I wanted to. I begged you. I was like, you actually were super cool. Because obviously, as my head of security, like, you take your job very seriously. Yeah. And I was the one. That was always like, well, I'm going to be on Pep Talk, dog. That means a lot. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, Juan, any final words? I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Juan's like Silent Bob. Bob, any final words? Yeah. Uh, shout out to all the fans out there. I fucking love you guys. I'm excited to be independent. I'm excited to uh, be a father making music and a husband and a businessman. I'm excited to tour. I'm excited to you know, travel the world and continue doing what I love. And every single person out there who uh, has watched this interview and listens to my music like a fan, which is what a fan is, a fanatic, somebody who is absolutely obsessed with me and everything that I do. Thank you. Thank you so much for caring and loving me and following me on this journey. It's like, yo, I'm 32, man. You know, there's a lot of you out there that, that knew me when I was 20. You know, you first discovered me when I was 21, when I was 22, 24, uh, four years ago, like I've had a, I've, I've had a long career and it, I'm so young and I think hip hop is a young man's game. And luckily I don't play that game. I'm here to make hip hop. I'm here to make indie music, have fun, just spread a positive message and any and everybody that's out there right now supporting me. You have no idea how happy I am that I know I have you. Now, this is the shit I can't say on Twitter. I can't this, I can't that, because I don't want to be on the internet. It's not a healthy place for me to be, but I'm going to tell you right now, you. The person who buys my merch, the person who buys a ticket to my show, the person who genuinely is supporting me and my son and my wife and my friends to live our dreams, 
Thank you so much. And I'm going to always continue to create from the heart. I love y'all. Peace. Bye, Rachel. Appreciate that, guys. With that being said, pep talk is out. Thank you very much. Thank you, Logic. And you got that guy right there. And we out. Thank you, guys. Thank you.